Well, it was a race for the ages from the back of the grid for the sprint race to the front of the field in the Grand Prix. A wild weekend of ups and downs for Interlagos as Lewis Hamilton put together one of his greatest race wins. He narrows the world championship lead of Max Verstappen to 14 points as we head to Qatar to finish off the triple header. We'll break down the entire weekend, how Hamilton and Mercedes pulled this off in Sao Paulo. It is the Overtake F1 podcast. Again, subscribe to the channel if you've been liking what we've been doing all season. And you can also find us on Facebook at the Overtake F1 Podcast. Find us on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. And you can also email the show at the Overtake F1 Podcast at gmail.com. I'm Tony Desiri. Glad you could be with us as we go over our Sao Paulo Grand Prix review. And what a weekend it was. This was a three act play. And it started on Friday after regular qualifying, where Lewis Hamilton earned the pole position for the sprint race that was going to be run on Saturday. And Max Verstappen was going to be alongside in P2. So we had this anticipation of yet another showdown between these two championship leaders for Saturday, but we didn't get that because Hamilton was notified that he would have to start the sprint race from the back of the grid because his car face failed post qualifying inspection. His rear wing was unstable with his DRS opening a bit more than regulations a lot. Now this was really high drama because we had to wait all through Friday and into Saturday morning for the result of this investigation. But what it led to was Hamilton was going to start in the back of the pack for the sprint race. So he was already, Already going to take a five place grid penalty for another engine upgrade, but that was going to be for the Grand Prix. So that was not going to be for the sprint race. So now he had to try to get as many places as he could in the sprint race to minimize the damage of the five place grid penalty for the Grand Prix. So you're starting, you know, 20th. And so you're figuring, where do I have to get to just sort of feel like I've got a really good shot at the Grand Prix? So we go to Saturday and during the sprint race, it was Valtteri Bottas who took the lead from Max Verstappen. And he holds on to this, even though Verstappen made some challenges, but Bottas holds on to this and captures the pole position for Sunday's Grand Prix. Verstappen would be starting P2, but because they give out points for the sprint race, if you're in the top three, Verstappen is now 21 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the championship standings with those two points coming in with a 19 point lead. So Hamilton, this is Saturday. Now Hamilton rushes through the field. He's got precision speed, really fast car. And the way he was over being able to overtake his competitors really showed sort of the cunning style of the seven time world champion. It really was a brilliant drive. It really was. Now the back marker cars, they're easy to get by, but later he, you know, he was able to pass Daniel Ricardo, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, and he finishes P five which meant P10 for Sunday's race because of that engine penalty. Now, look, anyone who saw that sprint race knew that Hamilton was probably going to win the Grand Prix. His car was so quick. Christian Horner knew that. Toto Wolff knew that. More importantly, so did Hamilton. He knew that he could win the Grand Prix. It was not just going to be another win on a long list or narrowing the championship lead. Given all of the setbacks, it would be one of the greatest weekends of his F1 career. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I am kind of thankful for all of the drama and the penalties and all of that that transpired because it could have prevented a weekend domination that would have been boring. If Hamilton had started from pole position for the sprint race, he would have rocketed to an easy, comfortable win in that sprint race. That would have put him on pole for the Grand Prix, and he would have likely rocketed his way to a Grand Prix victory. Imagine he wins from the sprint race from the pole position. He wins the Grand Prix from pole position. He wins by 
a, just a, an enormous amount of time, right? It would have been just a whole hum Mercedes domination. Let's move on to Qatar. Where are we in the world championship? But instead, and I think this is important, we got drama all weekend. It really was part of the investigation on Friday. You're refreshing Twitter just to see if there's a result that's coming. Then you got to find out. You got to wait till Saturday to get the result. There's Max Verstappen touching the wing. He was called in. What could this possibly mean? So you've got all of that drama coming into play and then you get this sprint race and you're watching the sprint race really for two things. Who's going to take pole position, right? And how in the world is Lewis Hamilton going to overcome the P20 start? Where is he going to finish in the short run of the sprint race to give him a really good shot at the Grand Prix on Sunday? Those are the two main things. Now, again, if Hamilton is starting from the pole of the of the sprint race with that rocket ship of a car, he wins that going away. Boring. Grand Prix, he pulls out to a lead and wins that by a mile. Boring. But instead, the drama really added to this weekend, made it memorable, exciting. And I was really kind of, be honest with you, I was kind of thankful for it. And I think the big takeaway from Interlagos was the championship fight is not over. And it really could have been if the weekend had gone another way. Let's say Verstappen picked up another seven or eight points with the win and the fastest lap. Let's say Mercedes wasn't as dominant as, as Lewis Hamilton showed. Let's say there was something that was wrong or they just didn't have it together on over the weekend. If Verstappen had a 28 to 29 point lead with three races remaining, they would have to, Mercedes would need a disastrous weekend from Red Bull to get back into this championship fight. Verstappen would finish P2 the rest of the way. He would have won the title and he would have won the title going away. Now look, a 14 point lead, that's still nice, right? It's still a good little chunk. But it's it means Red Bull still has some work to do when we run the three races in the Middle East to close out the season. And that's good news for all of us around the world, us fans around the world, into this championship fight that we've been following since Bahrain in March. So with the races now at the two new circuits in Qatar and Saudi Arabia, who knows what to expect? All right. Now, as for the race. It was lap 48 that has all the talking points. That is where Verstappen was holding on to the lead with Hamilton right behind him. As they came into turn four, Hamilton tried to move to take make the overtake. Both cars went wide and it looked as if Max had forced the issue a bit. Red Bull said just plain racing. Mercedes, of course, wanted a penalty for Max forcing Lewis off the track. We saw with Lando and uh, Sergio Perez in Austria, for example. But the steward said no investigation was necessary. Now, I think this was the right call, but, but barely because F1 wants to promote on track battles. All right. That's part of the selling point of racing. But they also don't want to sacrifice sort of the integrity of the sport. And this blurs the line a little bit, right? There's a rule about forcing cars behind you off the track. And even when they're sort of side by side, forcing them off the track, right? We saw it in Austin, as I mentioned earlier, but we now have access to Verstappen's steering wheel camera. And they, we didn't during the broadcast on Sunday. And now that I've seen it, I don't see Max jerking the car a little bit to force Lewis off the road. Maybe he gets a little too cozy and wide and Lewis reacts to that, but I don't think there was this sort of deliberate maneuver to the right that forced Lewis Hamilton off the side of the road. Now, 
That being said, I do understand where both sides are coming from here. Look, Mercedes, they want consistency in the rules, right? Drivers just can't force others off the track when they're trying to pass, even when they've got a little bit of a lead and they pull ahead just a little bit. And that's where Hamilton was, just pulls out slightly. Michael Massey said, you know, there is a let them race principle when it's when you're looking at these circumstances. Now, Total Wolf did take it one step further. He cited all of the obstacles that were thrown at them this weekend and they conquered all of them. Right. So he's just, you know, saying, hey, look, you know what? You keep throwing obstacles at us. But you know what? In the end, we beat them all. Right. But had there been contact, I mean, think about this for a second. Had there been contact would the stewards have viewed this differently. Right. Probably because the beneficiary of a collision would have been Verstappen. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Verstappen would have tried purposely to crash about that's that's ridiculous. But I do think that because of the of sort of a circumstance like Silverstone or even in Monza, when you look at that, there is some sort of result that plays out and sort of the, the magnitude of the moment kind of warrants harder scrutiny. What occurred here was. Two cars are racing really tight. They both go off the track. You're probably wanting a five second penalty, right? There's no contact. No car spun out. Neither one of those drivers were out of the race. There was no DNF. But what you have is that you have a circumstance that requires a little bit of an investigation, but maybe nothing much because nothing really played out here. Had one of them spun out and the other one moved on, like we saw at Silverstone, it probably results in a different lens to look at the crash. I think it's just kind of the way that has been. But overall, I mean, as going back to the point that I was making earlier, overall, I think this was a great race for the championship because now... Mercedes has got to fight a little bit in the final three races. Mercedes doesn't have to pray for a DNF for Max Verstappen to get back into this thing. They can actually race and you could see the result in, let's say Qatar be a handful of points, you know, leaving, leaving, uh, leaving that circuit on their way to Saudi Arabia. And I think that's really good because what I was really worrying that this fight, this battle, this real great championship run turns into a, well, all Red Bull has to do is this. And I don't really like that. I want to see this go down to the wire. We've been enjoying it all season long. Let's continue to enjoy it now. All right. How did the teams do? Let's run through all of the 10 teams in the Formula One race and get you the idea of how their weekend was. Mercedes, it was mission accomplished. The goal was to close the gap. They did it. It was a win for Hamilton. It might have been one of the best of his career. It was a podium finish for Valtteri Bottas. Hamilton's machine flying. And we talked about this in this podcast. It was one of his one of the best drives of his career. But for Bottas, yeah, he did lose the lead of that race uh, for the Grand Prix, but he won the sprint race uh, and held off for Stappen there. So it was a good, good weekend for him him as well. Uh, for Red Bull, there was a legitimate question coming into this weekend. If Ignor Lagos was a Red Bull circuit, but the team spoke about damage control after the race. So it really wasn't. Mercedes was that strong in terms of pace. The Silver Arrows certainly have some work to, you know, they had to work for it, but Verstappen just did not have the car to hold off Hamilton's charge like he did, let's say at Austin, nor did he have the runaway pace in Mexico City. A P2 for Verstappen and a P4 for Perez was pretty good given what Mercedes had brought to Brazil. Brazil. As far as Ferrari with Red Bull and Mercedes so far ahead of the field, Ferrari ends up best of the rest. Charles Leclerc finishes fifth. Carlos Sainz ran sixth. It's another solid performance for a team that is starting to really pull away from McLaren in the constructors battle for P3. Sainz did tangle with Norris on that opening lap that caused a puncture. But outside of that, it was a rather uneventful race for the Scuderia. Now, as far as their recent success, this is the fourth straight race that both drivers were inside the top eight. So they are really finding their groove. 
Now, McLaren. Uh, so Daniel Ricciardo went from running in the top 10 to the garage after the team suspected some power unit problems. Lando Norris said to come in early after suffering that puncture that I mentioned with that opening lap tangle with Carlos Sainz, but he still earned a P10 to give the team a point. Now, listen, Mexico City wasn't a great run for the team either, so this triple header really isn't going their way. They trail Ferrari now by 31 and a half points in the constructors standing. Uh, AlphaTauri, Yuki Tsunoda started the race on the soft tires. That seemed to be working pretty good, but then he got tangled with Lance Stroll, and that was it for any progress he was trying to make. He finished P15. Pierre Gasly, though, finished seventh. He was really happy with that, saying that he finished best after the top three teams, and he really did like his on-track battles with Alpine. He's right. Gasly did make up a poor finish in the sprint race, so that was a good run for him. Aston Martin, Lance Stroll, DNF after his tangle with Sonoda, one that resulted in some damage that slowed him down, so he found himself in the garage. Sebastian Vettel finished P11, tried to catch Lando Norris for that final point spot, but could not. Alpine, both Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon scoring in the points. Both are on a one-stop strategy. Ocon with a P8, Alonso finishing ninth. The two drivers uh, did try to make a run at Gasly. Neither could catch him with that pace. Um, it was a six-point day for the team, and they are now tied with AlphaTauri for fifth in the constructors' standing. Alfa Romeo, no points for either Kimi Raikkonen or Antonio Giovinazzi. Kimi had to start from the pit lane after changing the rear wing, and the virtual safety car did help him make up some lost time. He finished P12, so he moved up eight spots, which is still a pretty good day, but it wasn't in the points. Giovinazzi finished P14. He didn't have much on Sunday. Williams, no pace at all for Williams. George Russell finished P13. Nicholas Latifi finishes 16th. Neither car made any serious push towards the points, but it seems everyone on the team was okay with the result, given the circumstances, but I, I gotta love Russell, though. He keeps playing this great team guy for Williams, but he must be licking his chops to get into that Mercedes car next season. Uh, even with the new regulations and all next year, he must be dying to get into that Mercedes car when he saw it in Orlagos. And as for Haas, Mick Schumacher finishing last among the drivers who did finish the race, P18 ahead of the two DNFs. He did get into a spin with Kimi Raikkonen, damaging his front wing. Nikita Mazepin did have a good first stint, but he ended up P17. Gunther Steiners liked his team's progress, even if the results weren't all that great. But hey, look, those are the things Haas are looking for anyway, right? They're not really looking for results. They're looking for what, what progress the drivers are making in their Formula One careers. All right. So now we head to Qatar. It's a brand new circuit. But before we get to a little bit more on, on where we're heading in the final three races of the season, I want to touch it on again, this, this championship battle between Verstappen and Hamilton and sort of the way these two drivers have gone about this season. I think we've been blessed this year. I think this has been such a fun world championship battle to watch. I think it, it really does highlight the immense talent of Max Verstappen that you got a seven time world champion in Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen has taken it to him every single race. I mean, really, really, has and, and has picked his battles right. There's some like, hey, look, we may not have the right car, but we're going to try to minimize some damage or we have the better car. And when we do, I am going to exploit that by winning the race and moving up my championship lead. But we have seen this lead change hands a few times. We have seen momentum from the early part of this season being in Lewis Hamilton's corner. I mean, think about where we were. Go back to uh, Barcelona, for example, and just that feeling. I remember back in that, I mean, it feels like forever ago. We were talking about flexi wings and all of that. And, and Hamilton and Mercedes really started having it dialed in a little bit. They wanted Bahrain. They wanted Portugal. And they wanted Barcelona. You know, Max did win at Imola. But nevertheless, it felt like, all right, here we go. Maybe we were teased a little bit that some 
something that's not going to come to fruition. And then you started to see it turn around and then, you know, Max is building up this lead and it's got in it's 32. I think when we got to Silverstone after the sprint race, and then of course the crash and then 25 points for Hamilton for taking the victory. And all of a sudden the lead is the huge lead is gone. And then Verstappen gets it back a bit, you know, wins at Zanvoort. He wins at spa. He wins at Zanvoort. Right. And then Hamilton makes that push at Sochi. It's been a great world championship run. Where is this race going to be when it's all said and done? This Brazilian Grand Prix, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. I think it's one of the more memorable races of the season. You know, I look back so far and again, I don't want to be the guy that says the last thing I saw was the best thing I saw. I really try not to be that in anything, any type of performance, whether it's the NFL, basketball, whatever. But I honestly do believe that if this championship comes down to the wire, we are going to Abu Dhabi and it's a handful of points for either driver, but probably more or less Verstappen. And no matter what plays out in that race, whether Verstappen holds on to that lead and extends it or Hamilton overtakes him in the points of that final lead, I think we can look back at Brazil and say, you know what? This is really where it all started to the, the, the stretch run started. I can't begin to emphasize how big of a deal this race was from what it could have been to what it actually was. Now I know the argument, the counter argument is going to be, Hey, look, Mercedes had a rocket ship. I mean, obviously they had a car that was capable of doing what it did. I mean, Hamilton win by a few seconds here. I mean, he won by a lot. So he needed to get up to the front and he got to the front. And if he started P20 in the race, let's say there was no sprint race. He started P20. He likely would have moved himself up through the field, albeit we would have had a, probably a closer finish. I think making, you know, 19 overtakes is really difficult to do. You know, I don't really care what kind of car you're in. That is really hard to do. And that brings me to another question. Sprint races. Have I changed my mind on the sprint races, given what happened in Brazil? Because to be honest with you, the kind what made this weekend so drama filled was the additional sprint race, right? The addition of an opportunity for Hamilton to say, okay, the, the, the infraction causes me to start in the back of the grid, but I got a chance with this race on Sunday, this small race on Sunday, one third of the Grand Prix to make up that damage. That penalty can now be somewhat managed by a good run in the sprint race. Does that make me go, well, maybe sprint races are useful after all, because if without, we would have got Hamilton starting P20 at the grid on Sunday and maybe, maybe not. Maybe he gets to the front. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know, but I did know P10. I knew immediately he was going to make it to the front. I knew he was going to win the race. I said, what I saw on Saturday, he's going to win this thing. I'm not really opposed to the sprint races. I, I, I'm not saying I'm warming up to them, but I understand where they're coming from. Am I glad we had one? Yes. But am I always going to be glad we have one? Not really. But I will say this. This race is too tight. I've been saying this a lot in the podcast. So if you're first time listening to this, or maybe you've heard this 10 times already, because I'll, I'll repeat this. These championship points cannot be awarded during these sprint races. I, I just can't. I just cannot Call me old school. I get it. I just do not like these sprint races being attached to what we're getting on the race for the world championship. I mean, Verstappen got two points, got two points for running P2 in a sprint race in a one third race. He got two of valuable points that now Lewis has got to overcome because of these sprint races, right? I mean, Lewis wasn't going to finish in the top three. 
right? So now he's got two more points to overcome. This should be a 12 point lead for Verstappen, but it's 14 because the sprint race got, uh, was, is, is added on. And I, that is something I don't like, but nevertheless, what I think this weekend, the way we remember it, the way we remember all of the things that Mercedes Hamilton were able to overcome from the pole position run on Friday to the, to the infraction, to the, to the investigation, to the back of the grid run on Saturday, to the running into to P to P five, to going, starting the grid on you know P 10, the overtakes to get to the front turn 48 lap 48 and the, and the sort of push wide by Verstappen and then still being able to overtake the Red Bull machine and win the race. I think all of it is going to be remembered if we get to the end and we have the tight last race down to the wire finish. I think Brazil is going to be part of that special star on the calendar that we'll remember for 2021. All right, later on this week, we will do a preview of the Qatar Grand Prix. And uh, this is going to be new because this is a brand new circuit. So it's not something that we've had experience with maybe in the past, like Zanvoort that took 36 years to come about. Uh, This is going to be a brand new circuit for Formula One. So we'll have that preview coming up. Five things to watch for, plus our top five, bottom five from the Brazilian Sao Paulo Grand Prix. All right, find us on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. You can find us on Facebook, the F1 Overtake Podcast. And you can hit me up as well personally on Twitter at Tony D Radio. Subscribe to the channel. It really helps us grow if you like what we've been doing all season long. And if you're brand new, I hope you stick with us to the end of the season and heading into 2022. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast. 